to our series, In God We Trust, with Pastor Sean. Well, good morning, everybody. 19 of you said good morning. Good morning, church. Come on. It's good to be in the house of God. I can't wait to dive in to part two of In God We Trust. We're talking about what it means to have financial freedom in the area of our finances. But before I get there, let me take a minute just to celebrate all the women of God in the house. Y'all, last night was amazing. It was so good to see so many ladies. And ladies, I just got to say this. You showed up and you showed off. There is nothing like a group of women just chasing after Jesus. And so I'm so thankful that you came. And uh, we've heard great reports of how people left refreshed and what God did. And I'm just so thankful for that. And in light of that, let me just say this. Registration for our Flourish Today is now live. You can register. And I want you to know that our Flourish Nights they're intentionally scaled back. We want it to feel very different than our conference. And so I know the ladies are working really hard for our Flourish today. And I want to encourage you, don't just come. That's, that's a given. But would you start praying now about somebody that you could invite? Who is somebody in your life that needs a touch from God? I know that God is going to show up and move and transform lives of women. If you believe that, come on right now. Give Jesus some praise, church. Come on. Yeah. All right, well, let's pray together and we're going to dive right on in. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love. We thank you that we got to enjoy your presence during worship. And now, God, we are eager and excited to enjoy your voice as we open up your word. Holy Spirit, come and speak to me. Come on, make that your prayer right where you are. God, speak to me. I'm here. I'm not just listening. I'm listening so I know how to obey you. God, my desire is to follow you. Come on, make that your prayer, whether you're in this room or a room online. God, have your way in my life. I want to walk this out with obedience, so speak to me. We love you. We honor you. We celebrate you, and we ask all of this in the matchless and all-powerful name of Jesus Christ. Come on in, everybody shout it out. Amen, amen. One more time, let's give Jesus the best praise. The best praise we've given him, church. Amen. Well, like I said, I'm so excited to jump into part two of a series that we've entitled In God We Trust, and we're talking about the key to financial freedom. Let me say it another way. God wants us to have freedom and peace in the area of our finances. The problem is there's so much confusion and chaos even in the church regarding the subject. How many of you know that our culture worships money? Amen. They, they are consumed by money. Just some buzzwords for you. Economy, inflation, interest rate, Bitcoin, layoffs, stock market, foreclosure, downsizing, milk and eggs. Come on, somebody. 2024 elections. There's so much uncertainty in our culture. But here's the good news. Even though there's uncertainty in our culture, how many of you know that there is absolute certainty in the God we serve? Amen. He is the faithful rock beneath our feet. 
And God has actually preloaded financial peace and financial freedom in his word for you and me. Did you know that Jesus talked more about money than he did about heaven, hell, and prayer combined? Think about that for a second. Jesus talked more about the issue of money than he talked about heaven, than he talked about hell, and then he talked about prayer. So obviously there are some things that God wants us to understand so that we can experience his freedom and peace in the area of our finances. And last week we talked about stewardship. We started where we should start. And we said a couple of key things. I want you to write them down. Number one is financial freedom is more about stewardship than money. You, you need to hear that, that, that this series is more about stewardship than money. Yes, we're going to talk about money, but the principles that we're going to cover actually speak into the area of our marriages, how we parent our children, how we deal uh, with our homes and our vehicles, how we deal with our relationships, that these principles are all about stewardship. And what you need to know is that God's kingdom is a kingdom of stewardship, that God places things in our lives, and he expects us to steward them according to his will. So how do we do this stewardship thing? Write down the second thing. Healthy stewardship is a byproduct of healthy decisions. That's really key. Healthy stewardship is a byproduct of healthy decisions. So if we want peace, we want freedom in the area of our finances. If we want peace and we want freedom in the area of our marriage or you fill in the blank, we've got to understand that healthy stewardship, doing it God's way, comes from making decisions that are aligned with God's word. And so last week we talked about money matters. This week our message title is this, God's test, our tithe. God's test, our tithe. There is so much confusion, even in the body of Christ, about the tithe. And here's what I'm learning, is that, that churches often do one of two things, and both are, are an extreme, and both aren't biblical. They either ignore the subject, or they abuse the subject. How many of you believe that we should just go to the word of God and let the word of God shape and mold how we live our lives because his word is truth, amen? Amen, can we get on board with that? And so if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Malachi chapter three in the Old Testament, Malachi chapter three, but I also want you to turn to Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12, and we're gonna address three things that the tithe is. And I want to read to you Malachi chapter three, and then we'll come back and dissect it after we spend a little bit of time in Mark 12. If you're with me, come on, say, I'm with you. Look at verse 10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there is not room enough to store it. Look at verse 11. And I will rebuke the devourer for you so that you, so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field will not fail to bear, says the Lord of 
posts. So we're going to look at three things to bring clarity to what is the tithe. Like we know what televangelists say. We, we know oftentimes uh, people who misuse this topic, what they have taught. But what does God's word actually say? Three things. Here's the first one. The tithe is about order. The tithe is all about order. And here's what I mean by that. God wants to know, where do I place in your life? Am I first in your life? Now look at this, Mark chapter 12, starting in verse 41. And Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put. Notice this. And he watched. Come on, say watched. And he watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. And many rich people threw in large amounts. But a poor widow, come on, say widow. widow. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. And calling his disciples to himself, Jesus said, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. What an amazing thing that Jesus just said. They all gave out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty put in everything all she had to live on and so people are coming showing up to worship God and Jesus is just people watching Jesus is paying attention and as each person comes these rich people come and they throw in this huge bag of coin just one after another after another after another Jesus is not impressed what arrests the attention of Jesus is a poor widow and this poor widow, you can imagine her in line with all of these rich people. And she comes in and she puts in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. And there is something about that act that arrests the attention of Jesus. And Jesus says to his disciples, guys, 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 guys come here. Did, did you see that? And they're probably thinking, like what? The rich people dropping in bags of coin? Jesus is like, no, 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 no. That doesn't impress me. Did you see the widow? The widow? Yeah, the widow. And Jesus says, I'm telling you that that widow put more into the treasury than all of the rich people combined. Now think about this for a second. They're dropping bags of coin. Doesn't impress Jesus. The widow who brings two small coins. That's what Jesus says. This is actually worth more than this. Jesus is saying, my economy is not like the world's economy. This woman was a widow. What does that tell us? She was dirt poor. She had no earthly provision. She had no way of providing for herself. Remember, in Jesus' day, women often weren't even allowed to work. So if you didn't have a husband to provide for you, and you didn't have a son that was old enough to provide for you, you were like quite literally at the mercy of the system. And this woman takes everything she has. And she gives it to the treasury. And it arrests the attention of Jesus. Pay attention. 
What is it that Jesus saw that no one else saw? What is it that Jesus noticed that no one else there noticed? Pay attention. The reason why Jesus saw what no one else saw, you ready for it? Is because he values the opposite of what culture values. And it made such an impact. Why? It was about the posture of her heart. Four things the tithe is meant to do. Number one, write it down. The tithe teaches us to put God first. This is what it's all about, church. God wants to know, am I first in your life for the widow to come and give everything she had? How could she do that? Because she knew that Jesus had first place in her life. Here's the second thing that tithing does. Tithing teaches us to fully trust God. Can I ask you a question? Do you fully trust God? Do you trust that God will provide? Do you trust that even when life is uncertain, we can be certain of God's faithfulness? This widow, the reason she could go, hey, Jesus, take it all. Like, I give it all. The reason why is why? Because she completely trusted that God would provide for all of her needs. Here's the third thing that it teaches us. It teaches us to be what? Good stewards. Come on, we're stewards. We're not owners. Last week we talked about this, right? That God is the source of money. God is the owner of money. God is the distributor of money. And yes, God is the collector of money. Nothing in my life belongs to me. It all belongs to God. And God entrusts it to my hands that I would manage it. Here it is. According to his will. How do I know what his will is? It's right in here. Come on, somebody. This is why we need the word of God. Can we get excited in church about the word of God? Shout out amen if you're with me. So what, what is the fourth thing that tithing does? It teaches us, here it is, to be generous. It teaches us to become generous. Pay attention. The tithe is not just about the tithe. The tithe is a tool that God uses to help us become more like Jesus. Jesus is the most generous person the world has ever known. Can I get an amen? No, no one else laid down their lives for the sins of the world. Jesus laid down his life. He gave everything he had for you and me. So here's the deal. If he's a generous God and I'm truly following him, then I'm going to become a generous person. Amen? And so God uses the tithe to help us put him first, to trust that he's going to provide, to remind us that we are stewards, we're not owners, and then to teach us how to be generous. Pay attention to me. She gave everything she had. It was far less value in the world's economy than what everybody else was giving but it was far greater value in God's economy because what she was giving, pay attention, was not two cents. What she was giving was her life. Jesus, you are first in my life. Look what Jesus says, Matthew chapter 6, 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is. What does that mean? 
what you most value, you will give your heart to. What you value the most, you will give your heart to that. Now look at this, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. For the love of money is the what? Come on, say it like you're excited to be in church today. Come on, say the root of all kinds of evil. Y'all, I've heard this verse so twisted. Here's the often thing that people often say is this. Oh, that money is the root of all evil. No, the love of money. When I give my life to money instead of giving my life to God. Pay attention. This is really, really important. Here's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, I want to know where I place in your life. The tithe is about order. Do I have first place? Pay attention. At the end of every moment of every day, you and I will either put God ahead of our money or we'll put our money ahead of God. And if we put our money ahead of God, listen to me, money becomes the God we worship. This is what Jesus is addressing. Jesus doesn't need money. He owns all things. Everything already belongs to him. Why would he address the wallet? Here's why. Because he knows that our heart is connected to our treasure. I want you to write this down. The greatest test of your heart is what you do with your treasure. The greatest test of your heart is what you choose to do with your treasure. The tithe is all about order. Here's the second thing, and now we're going to look at Malachi chapter 3. The tithe is about blessing. How many of you need God's blessing? 27 of you. How many of you need God's blessing? Listen, it is not a prosperity gospel to say we need God's blessing. I need God's blessing in my finances. I need God's blessing in my marriage. I need God's blessing over my children. I need God's blessing over my home. I need God's blessing over my leadership of this church. I need the blessing of God. We are desperately in need of the blessing of God. And the tithe is actually about God's blessing. Look at verse 10 and 11. Bring the whole tithe. Come on, say whole tithe. Come on, say it like you're excited to be in church. One, two, three, say whole tithe. Into the storehouse that there may be, notice this, food in my house. Now we're going to define whole tithe in just a minute. Let's talk about storehouse for a second. In our day, storehouse represents, here it is, the local church. Where is my home church? If vertical is your home church in this context... The Bible is talking about vertical chapel. Vertical chapel is my home church. Why do we bring this tithe to vertical chapel? He says it in the text that there may be food in my house. Pay attention. Ministry costs money. For us to reach the next generation, help broken marriages, help uh, uh, people break addictions and walk in the freedom of Christ, for us to help missionaries and help people in need, how many of you know it takes money to do that? So God goes, here's my provision so that there is spiritual food in my house, that my children bring me the tithe 
so that there is spiritual food for those who are desperately hungry for Jesus. So the way we're able to help people is that you and I are honoring God with the tithe. Can I get an amen? amen. So he goes on. He says, test me in this. So interesting. And see if I do not fling open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much, there it is, blessing. One, two, three, blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. You want to know why there's not room enough to store it? Because it's not all for us. God wants us to become generous people. God wants us to understand that he has purpose for every dollar. We talked about that last week. I will rebuke. Come on, say rebuke. Listen, the first part is the provision. The second part is a promise. He says, I will rebuke the devourer so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field will not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. God says, listen, pay attention. He says, test me in this. You say, Pastor Sean, why are you making such a big deal? Because this is the only time in scripture that God gives us permission to put him to the test. Isn't it interesting in 66 books, one meta-narrative, all speaking of God and his rescue mission of you and me. In the entirety of the narrative of scripture, there is one place that God says, put me to the test. And isn't it interesting that it is in the area of our finances? Bring the whole tithe to me and see if I do not fling open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing, you have not room enough to store it. So the question is, what is the tithe? Because he says the whole tithe. What, what is the tithe? What does that really mean? Because churches often abuse this topic. Sometimes they ignore this topic. We see televangelists say the craziest things on TV. So what is really the tithe? And how is, here it is, the tithe different than an offering? What does the Bible really say about these two things? And so we're going to break them down together. And I've got a chart for you on the screen. I'm going to tell you and identify what the tithe is. I want you to write these things down first, and then I'm going to explain them. We bring God the tithe. Write that down. We bring God the tithe. Well, what is the whole tithe? What does he mean? It is the first 10% of all income. Write that second thing down. It's the first 10% of all income. The third thing is it's an act of obedience. This is an act of obedience. So let's look at these three things real quick. The first one is we bring God the tithe. Remember what it says in the text. Bring the whole tithe. Notice it does not say give the whole tithe. The reason why it doesn't say give the whole tithe is because we can't give something that belongs to God already. So we can only bring him what is rightfully his. And you say, Pastor Sean, I thought you said that everything we've been entrusted with belongs to God. That's true. But pay attention. The first 10% that we bring to God, he owns it, but he stewards it according to his will. And how he stewards it is in the local storehouse the body of Christ, the church. The 90% doesn't belong to us. It still belongs to him. But we get to steward it in our hands according to his will, his word. So we bring to him, what is it? 
the first 10% of some income, no, come on somebody, all income. This is, this is very important. A lot of people, they tip, they don't tithe. Come on somebody. You got the first T right, but the other letters and vowels are wrong. Like a lot of Christians, they're tippers, they're, they're not tithers. God goes, that's not a tithe. A tip isn't a tithe. What is a tithe? It is the first 10% of all income. I need you to hear this. Elise and I, every paycheck we receive, the first 10% of every paycheck we receive goes directly into this house. Every time. Why am I telling you that? Because that's what the Bible commands us to do. Pay attention. This means even if I receive a gift, if I receive a bonus, if I, anything that comes in to my house, the first 10% goes to God, putting it in his hands, the local church. If you're with me, say, I'm with you. So it's an act of obedience. Oftentimes, people will bring their tithe to the Lord and go, I'm a generous person. No, you're not being generous. You're being obedient. You are doing what God's word commands you to do. Pay attention. Generosity starts at 11%. It starts at 11%. So this is biblically, this is just what the word of God says. Okay, I want to understand the tithe. This is the tithe. So what is an offering? Write down these three things. We give God an offering. It is a gift over and above the tithe. It is an act of not obedience. It's an act of generosity. Yes, there's obedience to it, but it's an act of generosity. So what do you mean we give God an offering? There are times where the Holy Spirit will lead us to give above and beyond our tithe. We may see a single mom in need, or there may be a student that wants to go to camp, can't afford to go to camp, and the Holy Spirit will say, hey, I want you to sow in to that student. I want you to help that student. Listen, that's not an opportunity to take the tithe and go, you know what? I'm not going to tithe this month. Instead, I'm going to give the money over here. No, 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 no. We have to understand the tithe already belongs to God. So sometimes the Holy Spirit says, I'm going to lead you to give over and above the tithe. And that is not an act of obedience, although there's obedience to it. It's an act of generosity. If you're following me, come on, say amen. amen. So, so why, in, when it comes to the tithe, is it a 10% principle? Why is it the first 10%? Let me tell you how amazing God is. Because it doesn't matter if you make $100 a week or $10,000 a week, pay attention. It's equal obedience and it's equal sacrifice. Every one of us is invited into tithing and we all get to participate in furthering the kingdom of God. So what does God say? Test me in this. Here's the question. Why is he telling us to test him? Pay attention. Because he wants us to know his faithfulness. You need to hear this. Vertical is not in financial need. That is not why I'm teaching on tithing. I'm teaching on tithing because I want you to experience the fullness of what it means to follow Jesus. Can I get an amen? As a church, we're doing just fine. In fact, let me say it this way. This is not about vertical. This is about you. This is about your walk with God. It's about me. It's about my walk with God. Listen, God doesn't need anything. He owns everything. 
So, so what is this? It's coming into agreement with what truth is. God says, would you test me in this? I want you to see my faithfulness. I will pour out so much blessing. You have not room enough to store it. Now pay attention. And when I pour out the blessing, I will also, this is good news for you and me, I will rebuke the devourer. So what is the devourer? Well, the natural picture, remember, it's an agricultural society. So when this was being preached, you, back then, people didn't have a bunch of money in a bank account. How, how, how did somebody have wealth? They had assets. They had dirt. They had seed. Sometimes they had livestock. Pay attention. If you're a farmer and you've got dirt, you're breaking up that dirt. That's hard work. And then you take the seed and you sow it in the ground. And then you water it and you pray, God, please bring a harvest. Please bring a harvest. Why? Because if a harvest doesn't come, I don't get to feed my family. Now imagine you go through all the work. You break up the ground. You plant the seed. You water it. You pray. God starts bringing an amazing har harvest. Pay attention. And then the devourer, which were crop-eating pests, would come and destroy the harvest. All that work for nothing. All those prayers for nothing. All that sowing for nothing. All that watering for nothing. But how do you know when we're obedient to the Lord, it's not for nothing. When we're obedient for the Lord, it leads to blessing and it leads to protection. How do you know we've got a spiritual enemy, but because of the blood of Jesus that covers you and me, we are protected from the enemy. God protects us on all sides. That church, this is really good news. Pay attention. Pay attention. Test me in this. See if I don't fling open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing you have not room enough to store it. And I will rebuke the devourer. This is so important. There are three principles that we have to understand from this text. Number one, write it down. God blesses only what we bring to him. That sounds simple. Church, it's not simple. Some of you, listen, you would define your financial situation as chaos. You would not use the peace, the word peace. You would not use the word freedom. You would go, it's a mess. And I'm stressed out. And listen, you have prayed some very honest and real prayers. God, please bless my finances. Here's what you need to understand. God can only bless what you put into his hands. He cannot bless your finances if you are choosing to handle your finances your way instead of God's way. Does that make sense? God only blesses what we put in his hands, which leads us to a second principle. Write it down. Satan can't destroy what we put in God's hands. Come on, Satan cannot destroy, by golly, what we put in God's hands hands. Church, pay attention to this. This is good news for you and me. You know what we often say? God, please just bring increase. If I could just make more money, if I could just, if I just had a different pay grade, if God, if you would just like pour out more, here's my point. This is the graciousness of God. What good is increase if the enemy still has access to destroy it? So no, no, I'm not just going to give you increase. What? I'm going to give you protection when you put it into my hands satan doesn't have the authority to destroy it and don't we see this so often we see celebrities we see movie stars we see professional athletes and they have access to all of this money 
and it destroys their lives. We see people who win the lottery and two years later they're in debt. God says, no, I will protect you. Pay attention. One of the greatest expressions of God's protection is his wisdom. Doesn't mean we just sit on our hands like, all right, God's going to just take care of it. No. We learn what God's word says and we operate by his wisdom, not culture's way of doing things. And in so doing it God's way, there is protection over the area of our finances. Amen? Amen. So, so this blessing, how many need blessing? Just me and 40 people. How many, how many really truly, like you would admit humbly, like I need God's blessing on my life. Okay, write this down. God's blessing gives two things. It gives us provision and it gives us protection. I don't want just provision. I need God's protection. This is what tithing releases. It releases the blessing of God that brings those two things over the area of our finances. Provision and blessing. I didn't say it. God's word says it. And I just happen to stand firmly and believe that God's word is true regardless of what culture says. If you're with me, come on and give Jesus some praise. Martin Luther says it this way. I have held many things in my hands and I have lost them all. But whatever I have placed in God's hands, that I still possess. What an amazing thought. I've held many things in my hands and I've lost them all. But whatever I've placed in God's hands, that I still possess. Why? Because Satan can't destroy it when it's in God's hands. This is good news for you and me. So the tithe... It's about order. The tithe is about blessing. I need blessing. You need blessing. Here's the third and final one. The tithe is about obedience. It is about obedience. Look at Proverbs chapter 3, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth. With what? The first. No, no, come on, say it like you're excited to be in church. I'm up here preaching and sweating. I need you to preach back a little bit with the what? Not tipping. Tithing, right? Not some. I bring God the first 10% of all crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Can I just tell you one of the biggest new wine blessings that you could have in your home is his peace and freedom. God wants to give you peace and freedom. I hope you understand by now. Yes, it is easy for churches to abuse this topic. Yes, it is easy for televangelists to get on there and say, hey, sow a thousand dollars and somebody in your life is going to get. Listen, that's not even biblical. That's not what God's word says. This is not about God needing something from you. Ultimately, it's him wanting you to experience what he created you for. To have peace and blessing. Well, what do we do with this message? We honor. Come on, say honor. honor. What does it mean? Trust and obey. Don't just come into agreement. No, God, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to obey what you're asking me to obey. I've heard people go, listen, the tithe, it's just based on law. It's just based on Old Testament law. I've got newsflash for you. 
Jacob vowed to tithe to God at Bethel in Genesis chapter 28. So many years before God ever established the law, pay attention, he already established the tithe. This is not based on law. What's it based on? Trust. Do I trust that you're a good father? Do I trust that you see my need? Do I trust that your way is better than culture's way? Do I trust that you will never leave me? You will never forsake me? Do, do I trust that every need I have is on your radar? Do I trust that you're a good father and that you will always provide for my need? It's based on trust. So what do we do with this message? Where do we start? I want to follow Jesus fully and I want to joyfully obey his example. Where do we start? Number one, write it down. Start with what you have. Hey church, stop making excuses. Stop saying this, I'll do it once I get more financially ahead. Listen, you'll never get financially ahead without God's blessing. Sometimes we say this, okay, when I get more money, then I'm gonna be a good steward of my money. No, there's a biblical principle. Jesus said, if you don't honor me with the little, I will not entrust you with much. Why would God entrust us with more if we're not being obedient with what he's already entrusted us with? We need to start with what we have. I had somebody in the lobby after first service say, Pastor Sean, I'm so convicted. I need this message. I'm not being obedient in the area of my finances. He goes, sometimes I believe the lie. I just can't afford to tithe. He said, you know what I learned today? I can't afford not to. I can't afford not to. Number two, write it down. Trust God to provide. Trust him to provide. There's this woman named Miss Johnson. And she would always declare, God is good. God is great. He always provides. God is good. God is great. He always provides. And she had a next door neighbor in her apartment complex. And he was an atheist. And he'd get so annoyed at her. Every time she would say, it, God is good. God is great. He always provides. And one day she comes home. And she loses her job. She's over telling somebody in the apartment, he overhears it, and he goes up to her. He goes, I thought you said that God is good, God is great, and he always provides. She goes, no, he is good, he is great. He always provides. He's going to provide for every need that I have. He'll give me a new job. My provision is not the job. My provision is him. And so she goes, tries to find a job. Two weeks later, she still hasn't found a job. He's an atheist, but he still feels bad for this woman. He's like, she's got no groceries in her fridge, no groceries in her pantry. So he goes to the store, buys all of these groceries and fills up her fridge and fills up the pantry as a way to teach her a lesson. And she walks into the apartment and he runs up to the door to listen. And she opens up the fridge and she starts shouting, God is good. God is great. He always provides. And he starts knocking at the door. And she opens it and he goes, aha, I told you that God is not good. God is not great. God doesn't always provide. She goes, no, 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 no. He is good. He did provide for all of my needs. And the guy goes, God didn't provide those groceries for you. I did. And she hollers back and she says, no, God provided them. He just used a fool to pay for them. Come on, somebody. 
How many of you know God always provides? Here's the third and final one. Do whatever it takes. Listen to me. If you're experiencing chaos, and even if you're not, it's time to stop the chaos. Time to stop the disobedience. It's time to bring God to the center of not just our finances, but every area of our lives. Can I get an amen? Come on, if you're thankful for God's word, give them some praise today. Hey, jump to your feet. I just want to pray for us. Right where you are, just take a minute. And would you just close your eyes? I just want you to have a moment with God. Just ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to me? Come on, just get honest with him. He already knows where your heart is. Just be honest about where your heart is. Have you given him first place? Jesus, be first, not just in my finances, be first in my life. Are you experiencing his blessing? Or is there chaos? Are you overwhelmed? Are you stressed? Is it putting pressure on your marriage? Are you worried about tomorrow? Think about obedience for a second. What step is the Holy Spirit asking you to take? Before we sing this song, what do you need to repent of? Have you been trying to do it your way? Is the Lord convicting you? Allow him to take you beyond conviction. Come into obedience. Say, God, I surrender. Pray for us. Would you just lift up your hands as an act of surrender to the Lord? So Jesus, take my life. I can't follow you at a distance. I give you everything. I surrender everything. I don't surrender my finances. I surrender me. And if you get me, you get everything because it's all yours anyway. So Holy Spirit, help me, strengthen me, empower me to walk in obedience. I want to be a good steward. Your test, my time, I choose to obey you. Thank you, God, that no matter where I am in my finances, that through obedience, you're faithful and that you will undo broken things. You will Help me get out of debt. You will take away the chaos. God, you're faithful to do it, and I trust you. Nothing is impossible for you. So God, I lay my life down to you. In Jesus' name, I pray, and I ask these things, and all God's people shout it out, amen. Come on, let's give them praise, church.